Hello Creek Church, so glad to preach for you today. On behalf of La Chapelle, I want to say a big, big, big thank you for partnering us and supporting us. You know, Montreal is a beautiful city on the outside, but on the inside is really dark spiritually. It is by far the least church city in North America. And for the last couple of years, you're helping us to reach people in Montreal. We have planted four churches in the last seven years. And with your support, we're now in the process of planting a fifth churches. So thank you, church, for believing in us, for supporting us, praying for us, uh, giving to us. Uh, we love you so much. And, and I want to take a moment just to honor your pastor. Uh, pastor Trevor is the real deal, I'm telling you. I know many pastors, but he's one of the best pastors in the U.S., I'm telling you. Uh, this guy is a blessing from the Lord for you, church. And the Bible uh, warns us about flattering lips, but the Bibles always also say to give honor where honor is due. And I want to honor you, my friend. You're a man of God. I love you so much. Thank you for being part of my life. Now, Let's go to work. Uh, we are in a series called Old School. We go back to the stories we heard in Sunday school, and today we're going to talk about Abraham. And I want to explore the link between faith and perseverance through Abraham's life. The title of my message is Don't Ring the Bell. Don't Ring the Bell. I got a friend that used to be part of the Italian Special Forces, kind of the Navy SEALs in the U.S., and he explained to me that to be admitted in that select group, you need to go through a really, really difficult training. For example, if your bed is not made perfectly, you have a punishment. If your shoes are not perfectly shined, you have to do a sugar cookie. Uh, what a sugar cookie is, it's not a dessert. It's that you go in the water with all your clothes, and after that, you have to roll yourself in the sand. How many of you guys have been to the beach and uh, you had sand on your body or in your body where the suns never shine. <laughs> you immediately took uh, measures to correct that problem. Amen? Okay. Now, imagine having sand in your pants, in your shoes, in your socks, in your boots, in other secret places all day long. It's a really, really difficult training. He told me that every day they, they gathered at the center of the camp, they, they, they uh, lifted high the flag, they sing the national anthem, and uh, it's at that moment that some, some guys just quit. They just give up. The only thing they have to do is go to the bell and ring it one time, two times, three times. And after that, they're done, they can go. He explained to me that this training was so hard, especially at the end, they have what they call hell week. And for a week, it's, it's a torture mentally, physically, and your instructors are harassing you to quit. They push you to quit. They say things like, you can do it, you don't have what it takes, you're not going to make it, go ring that bell. Have you realized that in the spiritual life, it's kind of like that? The enemy of our souls is constantly pushing us 
to ring the bell. He say, hey, your marriage, it's a mess. It's on thin ice. Give up. Your kids are so ungrateful. Let's give up. Your work is so difficult. It would be so much easier to quit. Just ring that bell. All your problems going to be gone. My friends was telling me that uh, a guy that failed the training, wanted to try again. So he met with an instructor and he asked the guy, what do I need to do to pass the second time? He said, uh, do I need to be better at running, at swimming, or at push-ups? And the instructor said, no, no, the only thing you need to do is not quit. Not, not ringing the bell. That's what you have to do. When I was preparing for that sermon, the Spirit put on my heart that many of you guys are just right there now. You say, I can't do it anymore. I just want to quit. Christian life is not working for me. I'm done. I quit. I think one of the greatest temptations in Christian life is just to quit. But the Bible is clear. Faith and perseverance are inseparable. They go Together, Jesus said that the one who endures to the end will be saved. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I read scriptures and it's like, it's clear that we're saved by faith. But in other verses, it's kind of, are we saved by perseverance or faith? Here's the key. Faith perseveres. Faith and perseverance are inseparable. Now, not only the Bible talks about the importance of perseverance, but uh, the, the, the studies show that one of the greatest predictors of success in someone's life is his capacity to persevere. It's the fact that Japanese students are better in math than Western students. And some people just investigate that to understand this phenomenon. They, they ask questions like, uh, are Japanese students have a higher IQ? Or, or they have a better genetic? Uh, and they find out that the major difference was that Japanese students persevered 47% longer on a math problem they can solve. Those who quit don't win. But those who win don't quit. And it's true in arts, in science, in sports, and it's true in faith. And Abraham is this model of a persistent faith. He was called the father of faith. And if you read about him in the New Testament only, we could be tempted to have this romantic view of Abraham's faith. We could be tempted to think that, oh, this guy had a perfect faith. He was called the father of faith because he had a perfect faith. But when we read closer in the New Testament, we realize this. He was not called the father of faith because he had a perfect faith. Abraham was called the father of faith because he had a persistent faith. Regardless of the doubts, the delays, the unanswered prayer, he continued in faith. And there's two aspects of Abraham's persistence that I want to highlight today for, for us. First one is this. Abraham persevered despite his mistakes. Some people think Abraham was chosen by God because he was so righteous, because he was so just. But early on in the story, we see major failures in Abraham's life. 
In Genesis 12, the story begins, well, he answered to God's call. He's leaving his country, going in the land of Canaan. He, he's acting by faith, but quickly we see his lack of faith. In Genesis 12, 10, we read this. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. Now, friends, if Abraham had stopped there, he would have an incredible romantic moment with his wife. <laughs> but he didn't. Look after, verse 12. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that, it may, that, that I may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. In those days, if the king wants a, wants a, a woman, he just take her. If she's married, he killed the guy to have her. So Abraham has this fantastic idea. He said, honey, you know what? Um, you'll tell everybody you're my sister, and you will, you will go in Pharaoh's harem, and you're going to become a sexual slave, but at least I will be safe. And additionally to that, because I'm your brother, he will have to negotiate with me and give money to me, so that's a big deal. Honey, let's go down to Egypt. That was not an act of faith. That was an act of fear. Now, obviously... God didn't pick Abraham because he was a spectacular husband. Amen? But in spite of his huge mistakes, God rescued Abraham. Now, we think he should got the lesson the first time, right? Not really. Genesis 20. From there... Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gehar. When Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gehar, sent and took her. It remember you something? Yeah, Genesis 12. Abraham didn't learn the lesson. <laughs> But here's the deal. Each time he made a mistake, in spite of giving up, in spite of quitting, in spite of uh, laying down, Abraham get backs on his feet and went back to the game. If Abraham can, can be used by God, uh, uh, a loser husband as he was, it, it give me hopes for me and you, amen, that God can use us. Somebody needs to hear this today. God is not done with you. Even if you fail, God is not done with you. Get back on your feet. Get back in the game. I know the enemy is screaming at you. Look at what you've done. You're a failure. You need to pay for this. You'll never have joy again. You'll never have peace again. You'll never have a healthy relationship again. You'll never get married again. You'll never serve in the ministry 
again. But if you hear those voices today, my friend, you need to decide which one you're going you're gonna, to uh, listen. The voice of the enemy or the voice of the word of God. You don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus did. And when we act or think like if we had to pay for our sins, we're despising the cross. We're saying to God, you know what you did? Uh, send your son on that cross was not enough. We're saying to the son, you know, your life was not enough. That's what we do. We don't realize it. But when Jesus was crucified, he was put out of the game for a moment. But he was put out of the game. He resurrected three days later so that us, we will not have to be put out of the game. When we fail, we ask forgiveness. We, we come in repentance. We live, we, we learn from our lessons and we can go back to the game. A guy in our church came to me a couple months ago. He, he's a guy in the AA and he had, he had fall. He, he was sober for five years. Can you imagine that? Five years. And he was so discouraged. And he came to me and said, hey, Pastor David, I, I, I'm so depressed because I, I fall, I felt. And it was five years of being sober. And I tell him, hey, you know what? How many times you fall before? He said, this was the ninth time. I said, you know what? The tenth time will be the right one. Go back in the game learn from it but but embrace the grace of god and go back in the game have you ever thought about that why when adam and eve fall why god just does didn't just wipe them out there was two people on earth imagine that he could just wipe them out and start new but he didn't why here's why because the God of the Bible is not the kind of God that replaces us when we are broken. The God of the Bible is the kind of God that rebuilt us, that repairs us when we are broken. All the preachers used to tell the story uh, about a man that the car broke on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. So he jumped out of the car, opened the hood, and tried to find a solution. And, and, and while he was doing this, a big, huge black limousine came. And a man dressed to kill came out of the limousine and said, hey, do you need help? And the guy said, oh, yeah, sure, I need help. So the, the, the man just touched two, three things under the hood. And he said to the guy, start your car. And the car started again, just like that. And the guy was amazed. Hey, sir, how you did that? How much I owe you? And the man answered, oh, you, you don't owe me anything. It's okay. He said, why a man like you uh, took the time to, to, to help somebody like me? And the guy answered and he said, hey, my name is Henry Ford. I am the creator of the car you're driving. And when I see one of the cars I created broken, I'm kind of sad and I want to fix it. Somebody needs to hear this today. Your creator is sad when you are broken beside the road. Your creator is moved with compassion when you are broken because of your sin or because of sins of others. I'm so glad that I serve a God that don't replaces me when I'm broken, but I serve a God that repairs me when I am broken. Somebody should say amen.
Abraham persevered despite his mistakes. But secondly, Abraham persevered despite his disappointments. Now, God made a promise. He said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a, 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 an offspring. I'm going to make you a great, great nation. But there, there was a problem, uh, many problems. First, uh, Abraham's wife was too old. First strike. Uh, <laughs> he was too old too. He was impotent. Second strike. And Abraham's wife was infertile. Third strike. So in this world, three strikes, you're out. But in God's kingdom, three, th three strikes, you're, you're in. God put Abraham in the game even if he already had three strikes against him. That's crazy. And Abraham went with that promise. And, 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 and he had at many times a mental picture of how this promise could come to pass. But every time he had a mental picture, it didn't happen that way. And it caused him to have many, many disappointments. For example, Genesis 12. In 12, God made a promise to Abraham. In 12, 5, we see Abraham take with him his nephew, Lot. Why? Here's why. Because Abraham thought that his offspring can come out of his nephew. But in chapter 13, what is the disappointment for Abraham to realize that Lot has no respect for him? In chapter 14, what a disappointment it is for Abraham to realize that Lot is living in the city of Sodom. And what a disappointment for him that when Abraham rescued Lot from slavery, Lot do what? He goes back to live in the city of Sodom. And in chapter 15, Abraham is so discouraged, he had enough. He said to God, hey, I have no hair and my house, in my house, my house, my hair is Eliezer of Damascus. He said, I have no children. My servant will, will, will benefit all, all, all my things. And, and, and God said, no, no, no. Your hair will come from your body. So Abraham think to himself, okay, my offsprings may come from my body, but it may not come from my wife's body. <laughs> so in chapter 16, at 85, with his wife agreement, Abraham went to the servant and have sex with her in hope to have to make the promise of God happen. Don't judge him too quickly. He wanted to make God's promise happen. But in chapter 17, God says to Abraham, no, 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 your promise, your offsprings will not come to the through the servant. It will come through your wife. And Abraham is so disappointed. He really thought that the promise would be through Ishmael. So he said to the Lord, oh, that Ishmael might live before you, Lord. And in chapter 21, the Lord said, you need to let go Ishmael. You see how many Disappointments Abraham had, disappointment on disappointment on disappointment, on a promise God made him because he has this mental 
picture of how it's going to happen, and he was not right each time. Some of you, you're there right now. God made you a promise, and you had a mental picture of how it should happen, how it should work, and you're now so disappointed because you say, God, why you gave me the job if I lost the job? God, why you gave me uh, this man if he left me one week before the wedding? God, why I was admitted in that program in college if I had to fail all those classes? Disappointment on disappointment on disappointment. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a, a girl in our church, and she said, Pastor David, I cannot understand why I see God moving in my professional life like this, but in my personal life, it's like he don't exist. And she was discouraged because she's a single, and he, it was in the middle of the pandemic here, and it's really tight here, the, the restriction, and he said, she said, I can't bear it anymore. I want to have children. I want a family. She was so discouraged, and at this moment, I have a, I have a kind of a word from the Lord for, for her. I said, you know what? I think you're doing better than you think. And she looked at me and had no response. And I, 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 I tell her again, I think you're doing better than you think. Somebody today needs to hear that. You're doing better than you think. You may not be the person you want to be, but by the grace of God, you are not the person you used to be. You're doing better than you think. By God's grace, you're going to make it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ring the bell. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that there is a time for many things. Time to born, to die, to plant, to pluck, to cry, to laugh. 28 times in this passage, there is a time for fill the blank. But do you know there is a time that we never see in that chapter? A time to quit. There is no Time to quit. But, but Pastor David, you don't understand. Uh, uh, I'm sick. I'm alone. I'm addicted. I'm divorced. I'm depressed. I'm here to tell you, you're doing better than you think. You're doing better than you think. How can you say that, David? You don't even know me. You don't know my life. Here's how I can tell you you're doing better than you think. You're listening to me preaching right now. You're seated in church right now. You're listening to church online right now. You're doing better than you think. And I know the enemy of your soul is trying to crush you, but I'm here to tell you, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ring the bell. In the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the CEO of IBM was a guy named Thomas Watson. And he was well known for uh, doing things out of the box. And one day, uh, a young executive had made a huge mistake that cost IBM millions of dollars. So he decided to resign. So he wrote a letter and he decided to go to the CEO's office to, to resign. And Watson said, hey, what's that? He said, it's my resignation 
letter. He said, are you serious? It cost us millions of dollars to make you learn that lesson and now you're going to quit? Watson said, I refuse to accept your resignation. You know what? Our Lord is like that all the time. Not sometimes, but all the times. When we fail, God says, I refuse to accept your resignation. Go back to the game. A couple of weeks ago, a guy of our church came to me. Uh, he was so discouraged because he had left his full-time job because he felt that God was asking him to go back to college and do an MBA. And uh, he was accepted in a program, but because of COVID and other factors, he had failed some classes. And he, he received a call from the college to say, hey, you, you need to quit the program, you're out. And uh, he tried to negotiate with them, nothing that he, he could do. So he called me and he was so discouraged. And I said, no, th this is nonsense. Did you hear the voice of God that you had to do that? He said, yes, I did. I said, you're not going to quit now. You're going you're gonna to try again and call them again. He said, I tried everything I can. And I was trying to encourage him. But I really felt in my spirit that the Lord was saying, I refuse your resignation. I refuse to accept this resignation. Continue. Go back in the game. I tried to encourage him. I was not really uh, efficient, honestly. So I called another pastor and said, can you call that guy? Uh, please, maybe you're going, to do, you're going to do a better job that, than I did. Uh, fi finally, he, he, he did call. He didn't want to talk. So we, we, we just prayed for him. Two days later, he called me back. He said, Pastor David, you won't imagine that. I had a call from the college. They said they review uh, my, 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 uh, my situation and I am staying in the program. I said, yes, this is our God. You know, your God don't ask you to do things so that you quit. People sometimes say, do I need to quit right now? Here's my question. Did God ask you to do that? If the answer is yes, Here's my second question for you. Did God ask you to stop doing that? Most of the time, the answer is no. So go back on your feet and go back in the game. One of our staff members came to me uh, a couple months ago and he said, Pastor David, I, I'm really, I feel guilty because sometimes I want to quit the ministry. And I said, you know what? Welcome to the club because I want to quit Often, I mean, it's just, it's just normal to feel the urge to quit. I remember years ago, I was in a conference, a uh, pastor's conference, and, and the speaker was Pastor Tommy Barnett, well-known guy, really successful pastor. And he told to us, you know what, guys? Every Monday morning, I want to quit. And all the pastors like, were like this. Really? You want to quit? And I was like, I was on my chair. Yeah. <laughs> Preach it, brother. You know why? Because that's what I feel every Monday morning. I want to quit. And Barnett said this. He said, you know, every Monday morning, I want to quit. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I will take one cup of coffee. And after that, if I always want, if I still want to quit, I will quit. So he said, I take my coffee. And most of the time, I continue. He said, some weeks, I need a second cup of coffee. So I said, Lord... I will, I will take another coffee. And after that, if I want to quit, I will quit. And he said, he said this, you know, I can have the luxury of wanting to quit because I know I will never quit. 
Even Jesus himself wanted to quit in Gethsemane when he said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Daddy, can I quit? Daddy, it's so hard to be me. It's so hard to do this calling. Can I quit? But he ended his prayer by saying, Not my will, but yours. I'm here to tell you, if you lost your job, don't quit. If you lost your wife, don't quit. If you lost your baby, your child, oh, please don't quit. Don't quit. If you lost your house, if you have to go back to your parents' basement, don't quit. Students, if you, you fail the test, don't quit. If you fail the class, don't quit. If you fail a year, a semester, don't quit. Uh, uh, seniors, if you lost your 501k, don't quit. If your car is crap, don't quit. If you have to take the bus, don't quit. If you have to walk to go to work, don't quit. If you have to crawl to go to church, don't quit. If you lost a kidney, don't quit. If you have cancer, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't ring the bell. Last weekend, there's a young couple in our church that I love so much. They came to visit us at our house. And um, I was so blessed just to speak with them because seven years ago, they were young. They were in their early 20s, young married. And they, they, they went through a big crisis. Um, the, the girl had an affair with another man and it was so tough. And they were, they were about that to just quit on their marriage. But they decided that they will stay that they will not ring the bell, that they will let the Lord work in them. Now, fast forward, seven years later, they were telling me last weekend how much they are blessed right now. They said, Pastor David, our marriage is so great. God has blessed us. We're so close uh, emotionally. Uh, we're so close sexually. We're so close spiritually. We live a dream right now. God bless us with our dream jobs, each and other. God is blessing their finances. They said that to me. Pastor David, right now we feel so blessed. We can tell everybody because some people will think we're lying that we're blessed that much. I want to tell you today, don't quit. Married people, don't quit. Single people, don't quit. Old people, young people, don't quit. Leaders, parents, pastors, don't quit. Because Abraham was not called the father of faith because he had a perfect faith. Abraham was called the father of faith because he had a persistent faith. Let me pray for you guys. Now let me pray for us, for me. Lord God, thank you for your word, for that message. We don't want to have a faith that's giving up. We want to have a faith that don't quit. We don't want to ring that bell. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will 
take this imperfect message and that you will use it to strengthen my brothers and sisters who feel the urge to quit right now. And I pray that you will strengthen them. And I pray that they will keep on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ring the bell. What I can't do, God, you could do it by your spirit. So strengthen them. Strengthen us right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Can't wait to be back with you in person soon.